serving in the ministry that God has at Faith Dome of Fellowship. Hallelujah. I want to thank all of you for coming out this evening. It is a privilege and an honor to be here, to be able to speak to you all. Hello. Glory to God. If you have a desire to serve in the ministry, let me know. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, Brother Jimmy. It is a privilege and an honor to serve God in the capacity that he's called me to serve. It is a a dutiful task, to say the least. Um, Let us open up in prayer. Brother Jimmy, did Pastor Vanessa grab the offering bucket? Okay, sorry. Thank you, sir. I know it's in good hands. Heavenly Father, we adore you, God. I thank you, Lord God, for giving me this opportunity to be able to speak to your people, Lord. God, I ask that you would humble me, Lord God, that you would take me out of the way, Father. Father, that you would allow every word that comes from my mouth to be edifying to somebody, if not everybody. Spirit of God, have your way inside of this wretched soul this evening. Take control of my life as I surrender it to you for your glory and your honor. God, I thank you for your word, and we love you. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, we're going to continue speaking on the book of James. Last two times that I was able to speak, we covered chapter 1. Now we are going to begin to speak in chapter 2. I'm going to try to make it through verses 1 through 13. Book of James, chapter 1, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. How many of you have your Bible? Raise your hand. Nate, is that your Bible? Okay. How many have your Bible that you brought from home? Okay. I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I am being recorded, and I ain't ashamed. We are not a Catholic church. Okay. Catholic people do not bring their Bibles to church, at least from the experience of what I know. Serious. I was surprised when I first got saved and went to church with a Catholic person because I used to go church hopping. I didn't care. I just wanted Jesus. I went to Mormon churches. I didn't know truth. I didn't know. No, I just knew Jesus. And we went to this Catholic church. I said, man, why ain't you got your Bible? We don't bring our Bibles to church. That's what they told me. Okay. It's not what I was taught. I'm still learning, but I thought you were supposed to bring your Bible to church. Please, if you have a Bible, bring it to church. Follow along in the scripture. It's important. I've told some of you. I don't know who I told, so I'll say it again. I made it my own personal task. Is what's this? There's feedback or there a, tr- a loud truck outside or something? I hear like bass or something. The fan and the microphone. Thank you. Um, it's okay. Um, I made it a personal goal, and I really took this serious because. The only way that things happen in your life is for you to take them serious. So I said, you know what, I'm going to make sure that I bring my Bible everywhere I go. And I'm real anal about it, and I do it for a reason. Because whenever I'm not anal about it, and I don't say, okay, no exceptions to the rule, I'm going to bring it everywhere I go. If I don't do that, what happens is I bring it, and I forget it, and I bring it, and I forget it. And it's a chain, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a continuing thing that happens. I forget, I don't, I forget, I don't. So I become anal, and I said, no matter where I go, I'm going to have my Bible by my side. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Obviously, there's times where I might forget. Shame on me. So I'll go into work. Kid you not. Well, I just got to run in and grab something. 
I'll grab my Bible, put it under me, go grab what I got to grab and come back out. I know I can open my Bible and read it, but I just, I'm, I'm trying to discipline myself. So hopefully that could be an encouragement to you if you are serious about saying, you know what, I do need to have my sword on me at all times. You know, I need to be able to defend myself. What if God leads you to somebody to speak to them and you have an opportunity to minister to them and you're like, man, I know where it's at in the Bible. I just don't know my memory. I wish I had my word with me. I could show you the text. Okay? You don't want to be caught in a position where you can't show somebody what the word of God says because you're not prepared by not having your Bible. So I encourage you to bring it, especially to church and uh, even more so everywhere you go. They got small Bibles. If you can't afford a Bible, you can't have one, you can't get one, whatever the case may be, just come see me. And we'll get that issue taken care of, hopefully. Okay, the book of James, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. First of all, the book of James was written by James. The audience is the followers of Jesus. Originally, it was written to the Jewish Christians that were scattered because of the persecution. But you could say it was written to all followers of Christ. That would be you. The date, about 49 A.D. A.D. is after the death of Jesus Christ. I always love saying that because... Whenever I think about our timeline being based off of one man, it just inspires me. Like, man, how can nobody believe in God, man? Our timeline is based off of him. B.C., A.D. So that's always fun to me. The central theme is our faith determines our actions and our attitudes. The faith that you have in Jesus is going to determine how you act, and it's going to determine how you act towards people. So it's going to determine how you walk, how you talk, how you speak, how you carry on with yourself, the jokes you tell, the jokes you listen to. And it's also going to tell the faith that you have in Christ is also going to determine who you hold. You know, if you hold the door for somebody, if you say please and thank you, if you, when you see someone in need, you try to fulfill that need out of love, your actions and attitude are determined by your faith in Christ. Faith in Christ is all about surrendering yourself. And if you ain't focused on yourself and you've surrendered yourself, that's when those things become a reality. I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about people because I want them to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the saving grace, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to go ahead and lay down my own wants and desires, and I'm going to serve that individual. That's because of the faith you have in Christ. Now, beginning in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we'll start in. I'm going to read from the... You want to put it, what do you have, the New King James Version? Verses 1 through 4. You want to put that up for me, please? Thank you. Verse 1, my brethren, do not hold the faith. Now, just because this is up here don't mean we don't have to bring our Bibles, right? I just want to make sure we're all on the same page with that. All right? My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? That's a question from James. Let us start with this thing, faith, that he's talking about in verse 1. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. God has given you life through his son, Jesus. As a gift, he gave you faith, thereby showing his grace toward you. You see, the faith that you have is not from yourself. It's from God. And he's given you it as a, as a gift for, by grace, 
for by you have been saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourself, but of God. Not of good works, as any man should boast. See, if we thought, you know what, I'm saved because of my faith in Christ, then we're giving glory to God. But if we say I'm saved because I do this, I do that, I'm a good person, I always give, I always go to church. If it's off of things that we do, who's getting the glory? We are. And then we could judge ourselves. Well, I do more than you do, so I'll probably eat dinner with God three times a week, and you, you might not make it. Okay, so it's not based off of the works that you have because we're wretched, man. All we're going to do is boast. I do this, I do that. I'm saved. I'm better than you. So you get this faith that God has given you. It's a gift. Thank you, God. Everybody say, thank you, God. Everybody say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the faith that you have given me by showing me your grace. You love me enough to give me this faith. James is speaking to us, his fellow brothers and sisters who hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, to hold the faith, it resembles a possession. So you got this gift that God has given you. I'm giving you this gift of faith. What are you going to do with that gift that he's given you? That's your possession now. You hold on to it. And James says, look, those who hold, those who believe in the Lord of glory, those who believe in Jesus, do not hold that faith with partiality. What is partiality? It's like discrimination, favoritism. So James is saying, don't hold it with partiality. Don't hold it with favoritism. This is a faith that God has given you. So you're holding the faith that is your possession given to you by God himself. We, as vision carriers, as children of the Almighty God, we have a responsibility to carry ourselves in a manner that is worthy to bring glory to the Father. The Bible says that God wishes no man to perish. You see, if we're holding our faith that we have in Christ with partiality, with discrimination, favoritism, then what we're doing is we're hindering the body of Christ from growing because we're not reaching out to everybody. We're reaching out to the ones who we think are acceptable or the ones who should be reached out to. But God has given you the faith for you not to be greedy with it, but you to, for you to operate in it with love. And you spread that love and you share that love with everybody, not just who you think deserves it. The Bible says that God wishes no man to perish. If God wishes no man to perish, you should wish no man to perish. And yes, that includes women as well. Do not hold the faith with partiality. Do not discriminate. Partiality would be an example of favoritism. Favoritism brings separation. If you favor somebody, you got three people. You favor two of them because they're cool. The other one, Poindexter. He ain't really that cool. So now you favor two, you hang out with two, you chill with two, you talk to two, you serve two, you fellowship with two, and you got this one left out. Favoritism. Separation. Instead of four people enjoying the Lord together, you have three. And you have one that's becoming bitter. Maybe. Hopefully not. Hopefully they have enough faith in Jesus to remain strong. You favor one individual over another because of anything that is appealing or acceptable to you, such as the example that James gives. One's rich, one's poor, one has good clothes, one has dirty clothes. Christians are called to be citizens of the kingdom of God. In God's kingdom, there is no room for concern for worldly riches. One's fine apparel or blinging jewelry should by, by no means strike our interest to the point where we become partial to that individual. See, God doesn't care about worldly riches. You got poor people that are going to hell. You got poor people that are going to heaven. 
you got rich people that are going to hell. Rich people that are going to heaven. Now, Jesus did say it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle. Paint that picture. Camels are big. I didn't know camels were that big until we went to the Tampa Zoo. They're big. They are big. It's the first time I've seen a camel that I remember. And you got this eye of a needle, which you can't even see if you hold it back far enough. At least I can't. It's small. It's a fine point. That's why it hurts when you get poked with it. But Jesus said it would be easier for that camel to go through that eye of that needle than for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So I will say that it's probably a little bit harder for logical reasons. If you got everything you need in the world, what you need faith in? I got faith in me. Wait, I, I want a car? I'll go buy one. I want some food? What do you want to eat? I need some new clothes? I got it. I don't need anything from anyone, let alone this God that I can't even see. So logically, it would be harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but it's not impossible. As I said, you got poor that are going to heaven, poor that are going to hell. You got rich going to heaven, you got rich going to hell. God does not care about worldly riches. God does not care how much money you have in the bank, how many annuities you have, how much retirement you have, how well off you are, God does not care about. Christians are called to be citizens of the kingdom of God, as I just said. God's kingdom doesn't care. Why should we? We're talking about favoritism, partiality. God gave us his faith. We should not hold it with partiality. James is speaking to us. What partiality do we see in the church today? Someone may choose to greet or welcome one person or maybe who may be of some kind of importance or seems to be in fine stature. Get a group of people to walk in. They look like they fit your clique. What's up, man? Welcome to the Faith Dome Fellowship. We reach the lost and raise the living. You got to come out on a Friday. Today's Sunday. You're reaching out to them. And then you get one that comes in, kind of smells a little bit, probably don't wash his clothes regularly or maybe doesn't know how to wash your clothes. You know, I mean, you smell people that got mildew smelling clothes. Yeah, I mean... They just don't know how to do laundry properly. I don't know. Maybe they wash their clothes with water and not soap. I don't know. Their situation. But immediately, it's natural. Something happens in your mind. You begin to form an opinion. You begin to see this one as this and this one as that. That's why James is telling us. Obviously, it's happened before. Or else James wouldn't be preaching about it to the, to the, to the followers of Christ back 40 year, 49 years later after Jesus' death. So if it was happening then, I'm sure it's happening now. Think about it. When you see somebody, automatically, what's it called, first impressions? You, you form something in your mind. We have to be careful as Christians not to have favoritism and not to discriminate against anybody because anybody and everybody needs to hear the gospel. Anybody and everybody needs to be loved and reached out to. Anybody and everybody needs to be reached out to. It's a very serious thing. And a lot of people become bitter and say, man, I didn't see the love of Christ in the church. Who's the church, y'all? That's right. Who said it? Rob Booker. That's what I'm talking about. We are the church. We're the church. So that should be offensive when you hear somebody say, man, I ain't been to church in 10 years. Man, when I was in church, nobody cared for me. They didn't show me any type of love. Okay, well, you shouldn't be going to church to receive love from people. You should be going to church because you want a fellowship with people who love God. 
But it's still a sad testimony that they came to the church and they were hurt and they became bitter because nobody showed them any love. And they say, man, the church didn't show me any love. That's right. It's people that didn't show them any love. Why? Because you were busy showing love to the other one that you thought was cool or you thought fit your personality. Because you were having faith that God has given you your responsibility with partiality. You were discriminating. So just be careful. Be careful to, when those, those, those opinions form in your mind, those first impressions, you push it all aside and recognize who you are, a child of God. God wishes none to perish. That individual might need to hear from you. And the Bible says to be careful, be hospitable to people, because you never know when you're entertaining angels. Hebrews 13, 7, I believe, is there. That's a crazy thought. Somebody might come up to you at a bus stop or something, I don't know, say something to you. They're looking a little rough. You look at them weird, <laughs> kind of don't acknowledge them. Not because you're fearful of them, because you ain't at that moment in time. There may be some people that you are fearful for them, then you need to get away from them. But you just look at them weird because he's weird. Because he doesn't fit your description of acceptability. Is that a word? Faith Dome Dictionary. But he might be an angel. She might be an angel. Matter of fact, let me read that verse. I hope it's Hebrews 13, 7. Or else we ain't digging no deeper. Because I don't know where it's at if it ain't. Okay, it's not. It's somewhere right in there. I'll find it and I'll text it to you all. Chris, I got to get your phone number. All right. So. The church today has partiality going on whenever somebody says, you know what, I'm going to greet this individual because they, they, meet, they, they meet the description of, of who I'm going to greet. But I'm not going to greet this one. And yet you purposely walk by, not once, but two or three times every week and maybe three times a week, depending on how many times you go to church with that individual. That one individual who may not be dressed fashionably or appropriate for that matter clicks. clicks. Do we invite certain people or not invite others strategically? Hey, I'm asking you. You're in your school. Think about it. Do we reach out to certain people but strategically avoid others? Because they're weird. Because people might laugh at you because you're talking to that one. Let me give you a testimony. I love testimonies. I hope you guys enjoy it. Whenever I first gave my life to the Lord, I'm not boasting, but B.C., I was pretty popular because I was wild and crazy. And I guess from the world's perspective, that's something or someone who's fun to be around. Somebody who's just, man, you crazy, dude. You know, they just, they just think you're crazy because you just do things spontaneously and you're wild and whatever. I was accepted from the world. So I was popular, if you will. When I gave my life to the Lord, when God pulled me out of darkness, I had maybe a month left in school, and I became an outcast, purposely. I went up against the poles every day between class. I would stand there, just watch everything that was happening around me. I wouldn't talk to anybody. Nobody. 
People would walk by me. I'd watch them walk by me. My old friends that used to come, hey, hi, bye. They'd start talking to me. I'd talk to them about the Lord. Conversation would be short, quick. They'd be gone on their way. There was a young lady in my class, my English class, and I went to middle school with her, and I went to high school with her, and I watched her get picked on in middle school and get picked on in high school. She was not attractive at all in no way, shape, or form by anyone's standards, only God's standards maybe. Now, that might be a stretch for me saying that, but I'm trying to paint a picture that she wasn't an attractive individual. God doesn't see that neither, just to let you know. Thank God. And she would get picked on. She had a limp, so she would walk with a limp. Fully, you know, she had all her faculties. She wasn't a retard or anything like that, but she walked with a limp. And she had people she talked to. I mean, she had a few friends, but the popular people, not necessarily the people I hung out with because I hung out with every clique. I was hanging out with the jocks. I was hanging out with the, you know, People who listen to rap and the people who listen to rock. I hung out with everybody. But the jocks, the football players, the wrestlers, you know, those individuals, they would pick on her and make fun of her. On the bus, whenever we were freshmen, I would watch them pick on her and make fun of her. And she would walk by and they would yell out the window and shout names to her. And I would mind my own business. I never engaged in the activity, honestly. But as I was a senior and God had pulled me out of darkness in this last month, I reached out to her. She was in my English class. And God tugged on my heart. God said, share the good news with her. So I went and sat next to her. Didn't care who was in my class. Didn't matter to me. Said, hey, how you doing? Started talking to her. She was surprised because I was this popular individual. And all these years she's seen me. I never spoke to her. Now all of a sudden here I am. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? making conversation, telling her about Jesus, inviting her to church. She came to church. She gave her life to the Lord. She was going to my church consistently for a long time. And as we talked about in James chapter 1, from what I understand, she began to be drawn away by her own evil desires, which was men, because she seen that God had accepted her. She seen that people in the community of God had accepted her. She became happy with this acceptance. She became a little bit of self-confidence, and she began to Strive after men at that point. And I think she fell away. I'm not sure. I think my wife has talks to her regularly, maybe quarterly or something like that. But she was a sweetheart. And the bottom line is this. I did not discriminate against her and say, man, you know, everybody's picked on you. You walk with a limp. You look kind of busted. You got bad breath. I don't. She did. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to share the gospel with you, you know. Instead, I said, man, you know what? God wants you to know that he loves you. He doesn't care about your breath. He doesn't care about your clothes. He doesn't care about your limp. He doesn't care about your attraction physically. He doesn't care that you live in a trailer because she did. He just wants you to know that he loves you. That's it. People need to hear it. We have the faith. We have the faith that God has given us as a gift. What are we going to do with the gift that God has given us? James says don't hold it with partiality. I challenge you not to hold it at all. But allow it to go. To go. It hit the ears of everyone. I always tell you, if it wasn't for Jameek Baker, I don't know what God had in store for me. He made sure I heard the gospel every day. 
Every day I worked with him, I heard the gospel. In his singing, in his praising, unconditional love for God, in his testimonies. But he didn't keep his mouth shut. And he didn't say, man, this is a little pot-smoking punk. Because that's what I was when I was 16, 17 years old. He didn't say, man, this pot-smoking punk didn't want to hear it the first time. But he loved me. And I thank God for him. So the clicks, man, do we invite certain people or not invite others strategically? Do we reach out to certain people and strategically avoid reaching out to others? You're Christian. Don't hold the faith that way. Please. James is asking you not to, and as your pastor, I'm asking you not to as well. It's all partiality. It's all discrimination. It's all favoritism. What is not considered partiality, and this is important, in the church, we need to recognize that when an elder in a church is seated in reserved seating or given honor because of their position, that is called order, not partiality. So don't say, oh, well, bishop showing partiality with the pastors because they're all sitting in the front. What's up with that? I want to sit in the front. Okay, well, commit yourself to the Lord and stay committed to the Lord, and God will elevate you in a ministry. I promise you. I'm not saying that to boast. I'm just saying that's order. When an invited guest is given special treatment, that's respect and gratitude toward the guest for giving their time to share with us. That's not partiality. Sometimes you get a guest. We give them a love offering. We seat them properly. We make sure they're well taken care of. Bishop's very, very keen on that because this individual's traveling from wherever and coming and giving us their time. So we respect them and we show gratitude and we treat them well. That is not partiality. These kinds of action are similar to you honoring your mothers on Mother's Day. You should always honor your mother, but you take that extra step on Mother's Day. You're just respecting her. You're showing her gratitude and thanks. This is a special day for you. It's not partiality. In God's kingdom, there is established order where, the, where prophets will be sitting in certain places, where the disciples of Christ will be sitting in certain places, where the Son of God sits at the right hand of the Father. That's the order in the kingdom of heaven. God's kingdom has order, as Solomon. When he built the, when he built the temple, <laughs> you talking about some detail? Look it up in the book of Kings, 1 Kings. God's kingdom has order. Now, typically, going into verse 5, listen, my dear brother. Can you put verse 5 up there on um, the King, New King James, please, Jessica? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Typically, the disciples were fishermen and workers. It would be like construction workers in our day and age. So this is what James may be referring to, is God's choosing the poor. He's not choosing the people who have it all together, who have no dependency upon God, but have all the dependency upon themselves, the rich, if you will. So... That's what James is talking about. The rich were more like the Pharisees and Sadducees. They had it all figured out and didn't need God. Jesus said, the rich man, we already talked about the rich man, the camel on the eye. Can you go to verse 6 and 7, Jessica, please? Do not hold the faith that God has given you with partiality. Verse 6, but you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Verse 7, do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? 
you get in a car accident, who's the last person you want to have a fender bender with? Think about it now. I'm talking about a fender bender. I'm talking about like a nudge. I'm talking about there ain't no scratch. What's the big deal? A rich person. I know. I, I, if you hit somebody that has a Bentley, believe me, the police are getting called. They're getting your insurance information. They may be rude to you, and they're taking your butt to court to make sure this thing's all taken care of, especially if your insurance company don't take care of it. But whenever you get a humble person that may have a beat-up car, and I'm not discriminating. I'm not saying this is all poor people and all rich people. But what James is talking about is, isn't that the rich ones that are dra dragging you into the courts to deal with issues whenever we should be able to handle these issues on our own? I'm talking about no scratch or nothing. I've been in car accidents and fender benders with people who were understanding and nice. And I've seen people get yelled at, man, and, and just really, really beat up for a wrong that they did from somebody who thought that they were higher than what they were because they had worldly riches. Can we get verses 8 through 11, please, Jessica? Starting on verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin, and you are convicted by the laws as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Verse 11, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor, transgressor of the law. So James is saying, look, the faith that God has given you is a gift. Do not hold it with partiality or favoritism or discrimination. In verse 8, he goes on to say, If you keep that royal law in Scripture, love your neighbors, you love yourself, you do right. You got nothing else to worry about in that aspect. Love God and love your neighbor. Hold your faith without partiality. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor. Love them according to God's definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Not according to what you think love is. I've been over this before, too. Some people got love really confused, and they're over there beating their girlfriend, beating their wife, and they're saying they love them. That's not love. Don't take a rocket science to figure that one out. So James says, look, man, you want me to make it easy for you? Love your neighbors yourself. That's a good way for you not to show partiality with the faith that God has given you. And then in verse 9, he goes on to say, but if you show favoritism, you're going to be convicted by the law as lawbreakers. If you break one part of the law, you've broken them all. It's God's commandments. Don't say, oh, well, I'm not a lawbreaker. I don't break God's laws, but yet you show favoritism and partiality on who you want to share the gospel with, on who you want to reach out to, on who you want to greet on a Sunday. Verse 12 and 13. So speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Understand, in closing, understand this. I reiterated it plenty of times. I'm going to reiterate it again. The faith that you have is a gift from God. We are to be grateful for it. We are to understand that there is nothing that we could have done of good works to receive that grace, to receive that faith that we have in Jesus. 
that understanding faith that says, you know what, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to surrender my life to you daily. That type of faith. The faith that acknowledges God as creator. The faith that acknowledges Jesus as Lord. The faith that is going to bring you into relationship with the Father. Understand that that is a gift. And understand that James is saying don't hold it with partiality or discrimination. Understand that everybody in God's eyes are created by They're all created by him. In his eyes, he wants relationship with them all. He wishes none to perish. That's what the word says. God has given you the faith. It's your gift. It's your possession. How are you going to hold it? Are you going to hold it in a manner that brings glory to God by saying, you know what? I love you, and so does God. If there's a way that I can help you, please let me know because Jesus loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. Okay? Now, you are considered a punk rocker. You, you're considered a freak in school, all right? Now, I'm, I'm not talking about you, Carmia. I'm just saying, these are the cliques when I was in school. You had the punks. You had the freaks. They were on all black, black fingernails that we called them freaks. Okay, maybe you guys call them something else. Mm-hmm. Gothic. So you're a punk. You need the gospel. Jesus loves you. I have this faith God has given me. This is how I'm holding it. You're a freak. Jesus loves you. He wants to spend, he wants to spend time with you. He wants you to seek him. He wants you to draw near to him. Believe in him. Trust in him. Call me. Let's talk. Here's my number. I'm not too proud to give you my number. Yeah, I know. I, I used to hang out with all them popular people, but you know what? I just love Jesus now, and that's all I want. It's for you to know that Jesus loves you just like he loves me. You, you're a dork, all right? You carry your books in school. You, you wear tight. You know, your pants are like right up in here. You got pencils in your pocket. You know all the answers. You're a straight-A student, okay? Well, they pick on you because of that. Well, now I have this faith from God, and this is how I'm, I'm going to hold it like this. I love you, man. Jesus loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. Why don't, why don't we get up, man, and go have lunch or something like that, man? You want to go to a movie? I'm reaching out to you. Why? One purpose, so that I can have more time to share the gospel with you more. Nobody's ever reached out to you this way because they've all looked at you just like a dork. This is not what you're going to tell that individual. But what you say is you show him love. You, I, I don't know anymore clicks, but you get the point, right? You have all these different clicks. Now you're an individual that God has given you faith. Now you're a Jesus freak, okay? Hold the faith. With no partiality and understand that it is a gift from God. It's your possession. With that said, I'm going to read a verse in the Bible. I said Hebrews 13, 7, did I not? Yes, you did. It is Hebrews 13, 2. Hebrews 13, 2. She shut it down, so we're going to go from the new international version. Today's new international version. That's all right. I got it, Jessica. I got it. I got it. Hebrews 13, 2, five verses earlier. And everybody listen up. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing... Some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Do not, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. That's entertaining angels. Okay? Hospitality to strangers. That's the guy I was telling you about who comes up to you at the bus stop and looking at him like he's weird. You don't want nothing to do with him. 
Nice guy. He just wants to know what time it is or something. Do not discriminate. Everybody needs the gospel. You needed it at one time. I needed it at one time. Somebody else needs it. Share it with them. God has given you the faith. You ain't done nothing good enough to get it, and you never will. With that said, we're going to close in prayer. If anyone desires to speak to me after service about their own personal salvation and relationship with the Lord, please feel free to come up to me. We will speak. I will pray with you. And if anyone has any questions about the message, feel free to come up to me as well. We'll talk about it.